All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Planker Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Schaefer, and today on the show, we're sticking with our roots and talking to one of the best kids coming out of Connecticut. His name is Mac Forehand, and we just had a great conversation talking about growing up in CT, riding at Stratton in Vermont, competing in X Games, and getting to go out to the Olympics. It was awesome. He's only 20 years old, so it was really cool getting to talk to him right as things are starting to kick off. As always, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and give us five stars. Follow us on Instagram at twoplankerpod, and send us a DM if you have a guest suggestion. That is all for the intro. Hope you guys like it. All right, here we are, back with another episode. And Mac, do you want to introduce yourself for everybody? Yeah, uh, I'm Mac Forehand. I'm from uh, Fairfield, Connecticut, but I moved to Winhall, Vermont, a couple of years ago, and now I'm living out in Park City, Utah, just skiing, having a good time. There we go. We got another one of the Connecticut boys on the pod. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. And I don't ask everybody this, but but how old are you? I'm 20. 20. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's freaking sick, dude. So I think yeah. like the last time everyone saw you was on TV at the Olympics. So what have you been doing since then? Yeah, I, I after the Olympics, I got back to Park City and I've just been, uh, yeah, I was skiing with Cody LaPlante, my roommate, a bunch. And just with all the friends, just kind of not thinking about competitions, having a good time. I got to see my girlfriend back at home, for, which was super nice because we were on the road for like a month uh, for that and just traveling a bunch. So yeah, it was nice. Got to just chill and not really think about too much. And then uh, after that, we just uh, went to France for the, I think the third World Cup of the season. And that was pretty sick, but the finals got canceled. So I got fourth in qualifiers. So that just carried over to finals. So ended up fourth again, but all good. Fourth, fourth place this season. So it's a little like annoying, but it's chill. You know, we've been having a good time. Teens was really sick. It's my first time ever going there. And the mountains and like the whole zone is so sick. We've gotten skied a little bit too on the mountain. It was just so much fun. Dude, that's awesome. And yeah. did I see that you were at uh, Corinthia for a little bit? Yeah, so we're actually going to the Steel City Showdown in Pennsylvania at Seven Springs. For, it's Tom Walsh's event. So I, I was like, oh, we'll just go to the East Coast like prior to that event. And I brought Colby Stevenson and uh, Cody LaPlante. They're staying at my house for like two days, and we're going to just ski. We skied all day today, and it was so sick. First time back there since, uh, since uh, Christmas. So it was pretty sick to see the boys again and just get the cruise Corinthian, it was so sick too. The weather was so nice and warm, and snow was good too. Yeah, yeah it was fun. That's awesome. And like, yeah, right now we're recording this in March for anyone that listens to this further on the down the road. And uh, dude, New England March it's horrible. It's like you get rain some days and then it snows others. So I'm glad to hear that it's looking good now. Yeah, and actually, it was probably one of the worst snow seasons on the East Coast I've heard from everybody. And it's like I talked to the park crew today, and they were saying like how hard it's been for them, but it just snowed like 10 inches and that like all baked in. And then it was like 40 today and sunny and so nice. And I think tomorrow looks like 45, a little bit rainy, but like, that's fine. You can, I can deal with that in the East coast. Yeah, definitely. That by now. definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we were talking about this before the episode, this is your first podcast. Yep. So I think we're going to do like the biography of Mac forehand. Uh, so you want to start out like uh, where, what it was like growing up in Connecticut and Fairfield. I mean, I know a little bit about, Fairfield County, but uh, let everybody else know. Yeah, so I actually grew up in Southport, Connecticut, which is this little town in between Westport and Fairfield. 
and yeah, I just, I went to middle school there and uh, I didn't actually start, I actually finished middle school a little bit early and, and uh, yeah, it was nice. I had a, a really good friend group there and I would go up to Vermont on the weekends and obviously I'd miss them when I was gone, but just got to go up to Vermont every Friday after school, ski Saturday, Sunday, and then leave either Monday morning or Sunday night and go back to Connecticut and just go to school all week and then do the same thing all over again. Yeah, it was really fun actually. Um, I think like one of my first memories from that, it just like, getting in the car after school. I think it was, I went to Roger Ludlow Middle School in Fairfield and we got in the car at like 3.30 and just sat in traffic for like five hours going through Hartford and stuff, but that's classic. And yeah, it was just super fun growing up. I was really humbled by um, my dad. We had a second house in Vermont. So we got to come up every weekend and just, I grew up skiing with my sister too. And yeah, I was uh, originally a, a mogul skier. So I got into moguls through her. I, I raced prior to that. And she uh she went to the freestyle team and i was like oh I, I have to do that like it looks so fun so i skied moguls for like six years and was fully into that i was gonna go to stratton mountain school for moguls like that was the plan in seventh grade but i think in sixth grade i went to uh mount hood for a summer and i skied park for a week and i skied moguls for a week and i remember after the first week of park i didn't want to go to ski moguls so i just skipped the second week of mogul training and skied the park for another week and that fall, I actually switched and fully ski park for my whole like 13 year old year. And that was just so sick at Stratton too. Like I had a really good group of friends and a really good coach, Brian Knowles. And he, he's coached so many legends in the day. He coached uh, Chris Logan and Parker White, Ben Smith, and all those guys at Vermont guys too. So yeah, it was just super sick growing up with, with uh, Brian as a coach. Yeah, really fun. That's awesome. I've never heard of somebody going to Mount Hood for uh, for mogul training. That's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. No, they actually have a huge mogul like thing there, but I think it's died over the past couple of years. It gets so hot, so it's pretty hard to maintain those courses and just get like rutted out instantly. No, it was always really fun. I I I love ski moguls. I still do. It's so like humbling to go back and do that for a couple of times. That's but awesome. It's just so much more fun. Yeah. So you yeah. you and your sister are both big time skiers. So were your parents skiers? Yeah, yeah, my mom actually, she she grew up skiing Mount Snow when she oh, was yeah. like, I don't know how old, she was, she was super young, and she used to go up on the weekends and stuff, and my dad actually grew up skiing too, so it kind of just was ingrained into us. I started skiing when I was like three years old in Vermont, and I have a photo actually of me in like a little pack on my mom's back, and she was just like skiing down Stratton on a, this trail called Standard, like the main trail there, and yeah, it was, it was pretty cool growing up there. That's sure. cool. Yeah. So did they always try to push you into like a... Uh like a, like a rigid competitive setting or were, or were they kind of open oh, to whatever you wanted to do? Yeah. So I actually like, I, I was in a group cause my parents were going ski with their friends. They wouldn't want to like go ski with me who like a little kid who didn't know what he was doing and crashing into people probably. So I did like the, the like programs you do when you're younger, there was like a daycare ski program. And then I went up to little cub and then crossroads. And then I eventually went to racing. I did that for like a year and a half and was, so over it like I could not stand it and I I was like I just kept talking to them about me wanting to switch I, I wanted to snowboard too because I was so over ski racing so then I switched to moguls like I think I was maybe six or seven years old and yeah just from there kind of just accelerated it was sick and then with, with park and stuff too I never actually like I never like my parents didn't want me to ski park they were like oh you're gonna be a mogul here like they want me to ski moguls because I was doing that and that's what my sister's doing and all our friends ski moguls. They didn't like know the park program people. So I just like, I, I think I just go and ski park for fun. And I did my first comp with like one of my friends, me and him just, or his dad drove me to Corinthia for the day when I was like 11 years old. 
and I did my first slow comp there. It was a USSA comp back in the day, and I did so bad, probably. I don't really remember how I did, but it was just, like, such a cool experience. It was so much chiller than, like, than I remember from Moguls. Moguls was so, like, serious and straightforward, and I remember all, like, the parents at the bottom of the Mogul courses, like, screaming for the kids and stuff, and, yeah, the slow style comp wasn't anything like that. It was super cool, and, yeah, I think when I was, the year after that, I did, like, a bunch of USA say comps, and my first time doing that, and I did really well in the Vermont series, like better than a lot of the, the other kids. And I was like, oh, I can maybe like pursue this. And I went to nationals that year and I did horrible. And I was like, so bummed, I remember. And the next year, that's when I switched to fully depart. Yeah, Dude, that's sick. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'm only a couple of years older than you. I'm 23 now. So like when we were younger, like rail jams were huge. And yeah. I, forget those, I forget the Corinthia summer rail jam. It was like the peace pipe. Would you go to that stuff too? Or were you always on the, like, just sticking to the comp circuit? Cause I mean, rail jams, it doesn't really progress your career necessarily. It's just kind yeah. of fun. No, I actually, so I have a photo in the basement of me hitting this flat bar in the middle of Stratton village. Cause they did a village rail jam every year. They would drag all the snow into like the middle of the village and set up this like sketchy scaffolding. And that was my first ever rail jam. Like I think that my first time actually doing like a park comp besides that slope one. And I, yeah, I did so many USA say rail jams and I love them. Like the local, like just hike as much as you can and try to do as many tricks as you can. That was always like the highlight of the year was rail jams. And I, I think I kind of grew up around that before slope style kind of came into play. So yeah. when did you start seeing like, pro, I, it always feels funny describing skiing in this way, but like professional success. Like when did you, like the US free ski team, for example, when did they start approaching you or when did you start getting noticed by them? Yeah, when I was, um, so when I was 13, the, the year that I fully stopped skiing moguls and just ski park that year, I did a bunch of comps, did super well at those, uh, like USASA junior comps and the USSA comps. And uh, I actually went to nationals that year and I ended up third in slope and I won the rail jam. And after that, I got a, that, so the US team has this like project gold camp and it's for the young kids and it's in Mammoth every single year in May. And that was my goal. The, the end of the season was to get invited to that camp. And I got the invite at the end of the year and went to Mammoth for like a week. And that's where I met um, Dickie Thomas. He's also a good friend of mine. And both the Fagan brothers, those two twins, and a bunch of other my friends. And even like Cody LaPlante, I met him there as well. And now we live together. So it was like, that was kind of my like, okay, maybe I should look into like what I could do with, with it as a career maybe. And I remember being a mobile skier when I was younger. And me and my friend would always just watch ski movies and be like, we want to be professional skiers when you're younger. So like, that was kind of always the goal as a young kid was like, be a professional skier. Like, it was just so cool and like now I look back at it and it's like so humbling to see that now and I kind of um, I mean I don't want to say like I made it because you never really make it in skiing but it was just super cool to be on the tour and get to tour around the world and ski for like a living it's really sick yeah that is yeah. super sick yeah so like even as mogul skiers you guys were watching ski like freestyle yeah. skiing movies yeah so actually my coach I grew up with uh, my, my mogul coach when I was younger he coached Josh Berman the level one director back in the day at Stratton. So he would always get a copy of the level one movie every single year. And I was good friends with his son. Me and him would just get home, put, I remember we watched Turbo for the first time, the, two, the one filmed in 2009. And we just watched it on repeat. Turbo, I Trip, and Refresh were like the three go-tos when I was younger. And like those movies, I, I loved watching free ski movies. Like those are my favorite ones for sure. That's so sick. Yeah, it was so sick. So I actually you- met Josh the first time this year at X Teams. He was there filming uh, Trevor for the big air jump, right? Yeah, Trevor. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's where I met him. And we were helping Trevor out a little bit too with that day. Yeah. What was it like meeting Berman after watching all those movies for so long? Oh, it was so sick. Yeah. Like it just, 
he's like a star in my mind, you know, like he's like one of the coolest dudes and he's so chill too. Like he just will like talk to you forever. And I haven't talked to him too much about living on the East or like him coming from Stratton and stuff, but I've known him from the past, like like people that I know talking about it and stuff. We actually, we went to Denver to film Street like two weeks ago, me, A-Hall, Cody, um, and a couple others. And we went to level one there and he hooked us up with some, with some gear and he gave us some, uh, we got like a generator and lights from him to like go film at night and stuff. And he like just gave it to us for the trip and we gave it back to him at the end of the trip. It was super dope. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, it was so cool to be at too. Like you're like, like it was so sick to see in person, like all the gear, all the editing rooms, like all the posters and stuff. It was yeah. really cool. Do you play, did you play it cool when you saw him or did you fangirl out like, oh my God, Josh, I'm such a big <laughs> fan. No, I didn't fangirl too much. I just wanted to like introduce myself and be like, yeah, I grew up in the same town as you and like I, I love watching your movies and that's like what I grew up on. So I think that was pretty cool. I got to tell him that. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, it was That's sick. awesome. Yeah. So like the growing up on like the comp circuit, who who navigated that for you? Because you're like, like you said, you were 13 years old. So are your yeah. parents trying to figure out like, oh, these are the dates? Are you like, do you have a coach, a dedicated coach that's kind of just sending you guys in for like, hey, you, you got to do this, this and this to get to these finals? Like, how do you navigate that as a kid? Yeah. So my coach, Brian Gardner, who I grew up or not Brian Gardner, Brian Knowles, who I grew up with, um, he was like just super chill like he was one of the chillest dudes I've ever met and he, we actually we didn't like really focus too much on competing it was like a lot of like skiing and like drills and I'm like so grateful for that because like it taught us how to ski pretty much and, like how to do turns and how to look good when you're skiing and you never like really navigated like us like oh you have to do this to do this to make finals or do this to do well it's always like just go out and like ski well and like make it look good and you'll, you'll have a good time and you and you'll see the results too and obviously like we did have a schedule we had to follow and we had comps every weekend usually on like i'd go to sometimes i go to vermont on thursdays and go to training days on friday in vermont and then have the comp on saturday and sunday and then head out after the after the weekend but it yeah. was a pretty chill when i was younger i just remember skiing a bunch like at my home mountains uh mostly stratton brian coached me at stratton not mount snow so i was kind of new to mount snow when i went to sms in 20 or when i was 14. um but yeah i just remember skiing stratton with brian and just being like it was just so cool because I remember he coached Parker and we got to ski with Parker a couple of times too when I was younger. And that was so cool too. I think the first time actually in the group, we skied with Ahmet the first day on Saturday and then we skied with Parker on Sunday and it was so sick. I didn't really know them because I was like eight or nine years old, but it was like my first time doing that stuff. But it was just so cool seeing those guys just tread the park and just like flow and just cruise are so cool. Yeah, dude, those are some pretty gnarly pros to get to ride with. Like, yeah, I watch Amet especially. Amet's urban parts are insane. Some of my favorites for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. it, dude. Yeah. So, thirteen years old, you uh, you go out to Mammoth, have some success. So, fourteen, yeah. you you go full time at uh, SMS, or do you still mm -hmm. do a weekend program? Yeah, so when I was fourteen, um, I went to SMS. My sister went there her sophomore year from Ogles, and she finished senior year. So, I went when I was in eighth grade. And it was actually her senior, so it was like the first time we got to go to school together. It was pretty cool. I like, got to hang out there and stuff in school. And she like kind of introduced me into SMS. So I, I kind of went into that school knowing a lot of kids because of her. So it kind of like just transferred really easily. And I didn't have a hard time making friends. And we, I just had a good group off the bat. Um, I'm actually good friends with a lot of snowboarders that go there. So I got to like learn from them as well, too, which was really sick. But uh, you co the coach, Jesse Malice, there. And uh, it was Tim Masuko, and then it was Keith Shipman. And now Liam Downey is this, the second coach there. It's Jesse and Liam. And 
it's so cool to see that too with Liam being such a big name in the sport as well learning teaching all the kids crazy stuff and how to be Stevie yeah really dude. Cool. yeah that's wild yeah it's, it's funny to see like where people end up after their careers kind of yeah. like uh toned yeah. down a little bit and Downey was from Manchester, Vermont, so he's back here now after like being a pro skier for so long. And I love skiing with that dude. He's such he's like a big friendly giant. He's like huge dude, and he looks all intimidating, but he's just like the chillest dude ever. And yeah, he's so cool. Skiing with him's a blast. That's awesome. So what's yeah. the day to day like for a student there? Yeah, so we start the day, and so there's a, a fall schedule and a spring schedule and a winter schedule. And in the winter, we um, we go to uh, the mountain in the morning at Corinth. It opens at nine and we ski from nine to like 1130. And then we drive back to SMS, go to lunch and then go to school from 1230 to five. And then after that, we have like training from five to six and then we go home. So we, we usually go home in the dark every single day. And we have like, fortunately at SMS, we have that whole air awareness center. So there's trampolines and a skate park. So I just like would go after school. I'd go and tramp and skate and just, it was so much fun. I remember. And like I got to skate Zeb Powell is from SMS as well. And we got to go and skate with Zeb and he's just like a psych psycho on the trampoline and a skateboard. He just like skates bare feet all the time. And like, we'll just go and watch him and like, just go crazy in the awareness building. And yeah, it was really, really, really sick. Yeah. Is yeah. everyone there with like ambition and ambitions to become, you know, to like make it and become a pro skier or there's some kids that their parents are like, Oh, you want to do this for fun? Go ahead. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no, there definitely are. Like it's mostly, racing like it's it's like 80 percent racers probably or like 70 percent racers so like that's majority of the school and obviously not all those kids are gonna like they don't all want to become professional skiers they're kind of just going because that's what they like did when they were younger and obviously it's like a, a big investment to go to sms like it's not cheap for sure and i was fortunate enough where i could get like some uh, financial backing to go and go to that school and yeah like it's most of those kids like don't they just kind of want to go to the sms and graduate senior year and then go to like a really good school and it looks really good in a on a college resume to go to like a ski academy and like be able to balance skiing and school and still have good grades and stuff so a lot of the kids like will get into good um like race programs at high schools like university of utah or like other schools like that like a lot of kids there's like a couple of kids from my grade that went to dartmouth and like a, and a one of the kids from the year before went to harvard so like it's pretty prestigious i think and it's one of the better uh like ski sports school in the country and i think that's like was so attractive to my parents because i've they've always been super like they wanted me to be educated when i was younger and go to a good school and not just like fully do skiing but yeah no it, it was it was really cool growing up in there and like all those kids uh now i'm still friends with and i get to see a couple of the racers actually are skiing really well now and one of my friends diego is on the chilean team he's super good at racing and he's probably gonna go pro in a couple of years and and Zeb too, who's like taken off ever since he left SMS. And it, it's such a good pathway for kids if they want to get out there and just just ski and like learn and yeah, just progress and be, hopefully become professional one day. Yeah. Do you guys have yeah. like a rival school up there? Not really. We had rival, oh. like, so we had lacrosse teams. Like okay. we, I, I played lacrosse uh, freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And we had a couple of rivals in that, but it was nothing crazy. Like we played KMS every year at the Killington Mountain School, like an hour away. And they were so bad, but we'd always beat them every single year. And that was kind of our rival, I would say. It wasn't rivals in like skiing. It was more in like other sports, like soccer and all the other stuff they had there. Yeah. Kind of like, but it's kind of nice though, because I kind of grew up around that in Connecticut. Like we'd go oh, yeah. to like prep games when I was younger, Fairfield prep football games and like go to lacrosse games and watch all that. So like it, it kind of, 
like, it kind of just like transferred really well with me just like going and watching soccer games and lacrosse games and stuff it, it like worked super well yeah. were there any reservations about like leaving your friends from home because i know like it's your you're choosing to like pursue a sport versus like you know hanging out with people that you grew up with yeah i know it definitely like sucks sometimes and i don't get to see them too much anymore because they're all in school and i'm traveling so much but i try to spend as much time in connecticut as i can but we, we actually haven't had a house there for the past like four or five years now so i haven't really been there too much but every time i go back i like, try to hang out with them and it's like i still talk to them all the time like they're such good friends and i grew up going to school with them so i'm never gonna like just like ditch them like that they're just my homies you know and i've kind of wanted to stay true to that and just like still talk to them and still keep connected with them and i think this summer i'm going to try to go to connecticut for like a couple of weeks and just like hang out with the boys and see them again and kick it yeah. and i actually i got hit up from them like a bunch this year because when i went to the olympics like my name was kind of brought up around fairfield again so i got like a bunch of kids that i hadn't talked to in years that i went to school with that like i got to talk to uh over text and it was really cool to see that dude that's awesome yeah i'm sure like everyone comes out of the woodwork because yeah, i mean you, yeah. there's not that many slots on the olympic team so like you're making up yeah. a good percentage of the people competing yeah yeah and like obviously my good close friends i still talk to and i have all the time but there are definitely some like kids who are like i literally haven't seen in years that i've been reaching out to me it was cool too and i got it was nice to talk to them for sure oh totally dude they're just yeah, super yeah. stoked on it yeah. yeah they're so stoked on it and it, it, i love to see that too and i actually met a girl from fairfield uh who in at the olympics this oh, really? skater girl yeah Kristen. she yeah she, i didn't i had no idea she was from she's like oh you're from fairfield right and i was like yeah you grew up there she's like oh yeah i went forward <laughs> like, not too far from where i'm from <laughs> dude, that's funny yeah, yeah i mean cool <laughs> I try to not make this the Connecticut podcast, but yeah. it's like, dude, it's such a weird state. Like, it seems like the people from the state really do go far and everyone yeah. kind of like ends up finding each other again. I don't yeah, know at the end is. of the day, you always find someone from Connecticut. It's like, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, obviously people watching this aren't going to like know what Ward is, but they're like people from Fairfield County and be like, oh, I know where Ward is or I know where Ludlow is. Like, I went there when I was younger. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's funny. Cool. I feel like uh, Vermont has a similar vibe. Like, like obviously the states are very different, but like the community within Vermont, I feel like those kids are all very tight with each other too. Yeah. Yeah. They're all, they're all homies and all the guys here I've like been super close with. Whenever I come here, I, I get to see people that I haven't seen in a while and they're like, so stoked to see me and I'm stoked to see them. It's just really cool. That's sick. Yeah. yeah. So while, so while you're at SMS in terms of like the U S free ski team, like what's, are you on the rookie team by that point? Are you just, just like doing your thing on like, I don't even know the U S you're gonna have to you're gonna have to help me with this ussa yeah. and the usasa yeah yeah so there's ussa comps they don't have it anymore it's all usasa and then like norams and rev tours and like all this stuff there's like a bunch of stuff now but ussa used to be like the thing back in the day to get into like junior nationals which is almost bigger than it was harder to get into than usasa nationals like everyone went to copper at the end of the year for usasa and that was like the big thing it was really cool but like the ussa one was a little bit tougher and a little bit more like I don't know, cutthroat, that's the word for it. But uh, they don't do that anymore, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I um, yeah, I just did that eighth, all eighth grade of my first year there, just skied as much as I can. I wasn't on the rookie team yet. I was just skiing at, at, um, at Mount Snow all the time and traveling as much as I could too. And then I think freshman year, yeah, freshman year, I went to the, my first Rev Tour, or no, eighth grade year, I went to my first Rev Tour, and then freshman year, I went to Waterville for Rev Tour and I actually won that one. And that was my first like big event that I won. And then the rest of that year, I ended up doing pretty well. I think I finished like third overall in the Rev Tour rankings. 
And then if you win the Rev Tour overall, you get Norm spots. But I had enough points through that year that I could go to the Norms the next year. So sophomore year, I um I actually got a bunch of Norm spots, went to Aspen Open in in Aspen, Colorado, like on the X Games course. Um it's just like a it's just obviously a smaller comp, but it's like the X Games course. You get there and you're like, this is insane. Like all these features are huge. And I remember going my first time, like, this is absolutely crazy like i hit the last jump there in the slope line and it was the most airtime i had ever felt at the time and i was just like little 15 year old kid like this is crazy and i i didn't do too well in slope that year but i won big air that year at aspen open and i got world cup starts for the following year so my sophomore year of sms i did my first world cup and i went to milan italy and i, I did a big air event there a city big air and I was just like so blown away. I got to ski with a bunch of my favorite pro skiers. And I was the only U.S. guy there. So I didn't really know anybody because U.S. didn't prioritize the gear at the time. It was just like other countries and like some other random U.S. kids. So I actually got to go to that. And that was the first time where I was like, okay, I can do this for a living and be like, all right, I want to like do this and for the rest of my life and like just like ski and compete and have a good time. And I, I actually made finals that trip. I qualified third in the finals. And I got to do the night, this like the night finals time. And it was top 10 guys there. And it was like the craziest moment. I remember just standing at the top of that big air in Milan and seeing like 10,000 people at the bottom. And I'm just like a little kid up there. Like, this is crazy. And I think I ended up 10th that night. So like, it wasn't like crazy. I didn't ski too well, but it was just such a cool experience. And that rest of the year, I did like two or three more World Cup big airs. And I ended up like 10th overall in the standings. And I got World Cup starts automatically to the next comps the next year so that kind of just carried on and i remember with slope style as well i did the whole noram tour and i actually ended up winning the overall that year as well so i got to get world cup starts for slope the next year so that's going into junior year now sms and i had my first international world cup uh slope style in dubai austria and i went with um oh wait no i made it so i made the team the year prior to that and then um I got to go with the, with the U.S. team to uh, Dubai, Austria. It was my first international like slopestyle World Cup, and it was so crazy to be there with the whole team too, because that was my first comp with all the U.S. guys too. And like, like there's such a good group of guys: A. Hall, I was at Colby, Willie Borm, uh, Nick Epper, like that whole crew. And I ended up second at that comp, and that was like the sickest thing ever to probably to my career day. Like, 17 years old, got my first World Cup podium, and it was like so cool to be up there. I was in the podium with Henrik and Ferdy. I was just like looking around like what just happened. Like it was so surreal to, to be there. Yeah. And it was one of the, it was a really fun course too. I had such a good time and I still try to just have a good time like competing and stuff. I think from there, my career just kind of took off. That was kind of the start of it all. Dude. So like when you're, when you're 15 years old at the city, big air in Milan. Yeah. What's, what's it like getting used to like a crowd that large? Cause I'm sure when you're first starting out, you know, parents, friends, and then people just at the mountain that want to check it out. Like, yeah, yeah. what's it like when it's actually a roaring crowd under the lights? It is, it just amps you like to a different level. You get so stoked at the, at the top. It like helps. And like, it helps so much when there's a big crowd with all the athletes too. Cause they just like, they, they, it helps them amplify like what they want to do. And like, you get so juiced, like to go up and do a trick and, with slope style, it's different. You, like, have to kind of focus and stuff. For, for big air, it's always been, like, get as hyped as you can before you go and, like, just chuck off this sketchy jump in the middle of the city. That's my mentality for it, at least. Not everyone it works that way. But, um, yeah, it's just so cool to see that. And I got I got to sign my first autograph that night, I remember, and did some interviews that night. And it was just, like, 
so cool being there and like having that first experience as a 16 year old kid yeah it was so cool that's funny because that autograph probably means more to you than like the random Italian kid that got it. <laughs> yeah, it was some little Italian boy. I remember, I think it was, yeah, it, it was so cool doing that my first time for sure. That's awesome. And so once yeah. you're on the team, like, is it the same vibe as when you're at the academy or are you like, damn, like these guys have the same, like the same mindset as me, same vision, all of that. Yeah, it's no, it's a little bit different of mentality. I, because my first year going into World Cups, so I was like, all right, I'm not going to set expectations. My first year doing this, like, I got to just, like, chill and have fun and not stress too hard. And I was also going to school. I was a sophomore or I was a junior in, uh, in high school. So I was, like, going to these big these big comps in uh, Europe, coming back, like, doing some schoolwork. And I actually didn't finish school sophomore and junior year until August because I was so behind in school at the end of the year. But, yeah, it's definitely, like, a little bit of a – different mentality going into the big world cups like you gotta i'm definitely more nervous like more nervous than any other comp i've ever done just like sitting up there like your heart's beating like crazy you're feeling the nerves like you just want to go down and get to the bottom and land your run as quick as you possibly can yeah and that year i actually did i got that so i got that second in dubai and then i had a fourth place at world champs in park city and then i won mammoth world cup that year as well and that was like one of the coolest things also that has happened to me my run I like my run more when I got second honestly it was like kind of tough conditions in Mammoth so like winning definitely was really really sick and I was on the podium with Kieran and Ferdy so that was pretty cool as well but um yeah it, my run didn't seem as like crazy as my other runs that I've done in the past but I was just so stoked to get that first and I was lead, going into the last World Cup of the year first in the standings I had I had a fifth a first and a second so overall like for the globe which is the crystal globe at the end of the year it's like all your woke up points uh, combined and i was going first into the last comp of the year like this is insane like I, I would have never expected that to happen so going into that comp i was definitely stressed and i try not to keep to stay stressed and like just kind of try to loosen up and have a good time and i after i made finals at comp in Simplana, and after that i went into finals the next day and the next morning my coach comes up to me and goes like congrats dude like you won the globe like you didn't have to get like, I didn't get I didn't compete I, I didn't compete yet like I just the kids that were competing against me didn't make finals so I won the globe before the comp started and I was just like a big weight off my shoulders and I just went out and had such a good time and I didn't ski that well I got like 11 with that comp but after that it was just like so fun at the top of the top of the mountain like it was sunny and hot and they had the podium ceremony and then my parents were there it, it was it was so cool like definitely one of the most surreal moments I've I've ever had for sure dude that that is yeah. awesome that yeah. must have been that must have felt so good it, it just happened it all so quickly like you don't expect anything to happen that quickly with competing and it just like all of a sudden end of the year i had won the overall it, yeah it was pretty cool dude what's always funny is like when to when you guys are like uh you like you said you won the competition but you won the globe before you even had to compete and to see your guys like casual runs where you're just taking it easy Mm-hmm. is just gnarly like are you when you guys are just like chilling are you just still riding at such a like a super high like gnarly level yeah I mean it's like obviously chilling and like there's like chilling and then there's like comp chilling kind of like you can go out and ski a park for fun and just like or hit big jumps for fun and just like do singles and like big floaty fives and have a good time and just like like that's kind of like my, my favorite thing to do is hit really big jumps and do like small tricks like sevens and fives and all that stuff but like yeah, I went into that comp and did like a pretty mellow run. I remember, I think it was like 
312, which is still like not that mellow. But it's like <laughs> for me, it's like, okay, I've done that so many times in the past. Like I can do it pretty well at Land of Run. But it's yeah. like at this day, at this day and age, like you can't really chill at a comp anymore. Like, especially the big areas, it's crazy how much the sport has progressed in the past like two or three years. It's progressed like progressed like almost seven years in the future, like just with all this new like access to airbags and all this stuff and trampoline and people training and stuff now so you can't really chill too much anymore in comps you're gonna you've got the hook and hopefully land your stuff yeah dude yeah, yeah. so that, that's what i was gonna ask like what's your what's your training like because i know that some people like love water jumps and some people hate them some people love airbags and some people hate them so like what's your what's your trick yeah um i have like two different sides of that for sure like I, I grew up on water ramps, like as a mogul skier. So I just like learned backflips and stuff and cork steps and water ramps and like did that. And then I did some like flat bag camps for sure. Like I did all, did all these camps when I was younger and obviously like on a flat airbag or on a water ramp, like you can't learn too much. Those jumps aren't that big. Like you can obviously learn the basics like doubles, double tens and like maybe hitting it switch a couple of times and doing some big switch tricks, but like they're not doing dub 18s on water ramps. You get bodied if you land on your side and on water it doesn't doesn't feel very good so after these new like progression bags came in landing bags like the jumps were huge and the bags were like so soft and you can land any way you wanted to and be completely fine and that just like amplified the sport like crazy and they had one in park city the first couple of years so i just hit that a bunch and like i i learned a bunch of tricks in it for sure but i, I now that i look at it i like try not to do too much stuff on those bags and try to like kind of keep to myself and keep skiing and like let them on snow and obviously it's harder when you're doing 18s and 19s now like you kind of like it's kind of scary to do it just on snow so it does help to do it on bag but i it, it would kind of be nice if the bag never was created in my opinion i think it'd be cool to just like people could just ski and learn tricks still and not have to like do crazy 18s and 19s i think people would still do it but i don't think it'd be like to this craziness now <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be like to, like it wouldn't be the same level of progression that's going on right now. Instead of like everybody doing eighteen hundreds in a comp, it's like it'd be like two people maybe. Now. Yeah, just whoever's yeah. gnarly, like or whoever's gnarly gnarly to try it on the snow. Yeah, but because of the airbags, like I remember this year in Steamboat, there was like twenty different eighteen hundreds. Yeah, it was not different ones, but like twenty people doing eighteen hundreds, and it was just like so crazy to see that for the first time. Dude, definitely. Was there like yeah. a? When you were first learning all these tricks, was there some sort of, did you have like any trick that was like a mental barrier that once you were able to break through that barrier, you were able like doing like a big spin to switch or something like, I don't even know what it would be, but did you have something that was really hanging you up? Yeah, I, I think right spins, like unnatural spins for sure. Like I struggled with that when I was younger, like doing unnatural sevens, I was never really good at them. And like I did so many right double tens in, into a bag, like into a, the flat bag, not the steep one. The tr the, it's like a sketchy flat bag in Waterville. And I was like, I don't know, maybe like 15 or 16. So I, I did so many of those on the bag and like progressed them and got a lot better at, at them over the years. And now like a right seven or right nine is one of my favorite tricks. And it's like, you just do so many of them. You just figure it out how to do it easier. And it gets like way more fun after you like learn how to do it nice. And it feels like comfortable. Yeah, so like at a certain point, you're doing a really big gnarly trick. It's just as fun as doing something casual in the park for you, you know? Yeah, to a, to an extent. It's more like the feeling of landing that trick. It's like, or like when you're in the air, and you're like grabbing and you're like doing this like spin. You're just like, what is going on right now? Kind of that that is like 
it's more like landing your stuff. And like, that's kind of what comes your competition skiing. I think that's why it's so addictive to so many people. It's like the feeling you get after landing a run is like, it's unbeatable compared yeah. to anything. Like even learning a trick, like if you learn a big trick on snow, the feeling's crazy, but landing a comp run is like, it's such a cool feeling at the bottom being like, I did that and bossed up and like figured out what I wanted to do and did what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. I mean, I don't want to be to jump like too far ahead in the timeline. I was watching some of your highlights just before this of the big air from this X Games. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, what are you thinking when, when your first drop for big air, where you're like, so close to getting it, but you just like, kind of you're a little bit too backseat and you kind of just wash out. Are you super bummed or are you stoked because you're like, oh, I'm like right there. I could definitely do this. Yeah, I mean that first switch dub eighteen I did in X Games, like I did, I didn't actually do any of the tricks. Like none of us really do those tricks in practice because we have such a short amount of time in practice. Kind of just like do the setups so i did like a couple setups i just didn't like, switch 16s like i did like one i think and it like the last one i did in training was so good one of the best ones i've ever done so i went into the first drop like all right i can do this easy and i just like had a little bit not enough time so the next run i went up it just went a little bit faster and i went i did the same exact thing but just went bigger and like it's, it worked out perfectly and i stomped it yeah so it doesn't get you like super down you're just like whatever onto the well, next I usually, one. you kind of brush it off and especially at x games when you have it's like a different format it's you get like six jumps you're like a little bit less stressed because you don't have to just like like a world cup you get two jumps for qualifying and three for finals and you have to do one trick in qualities and two tri two different tricks out of the three jumps in finals and it's like so stressful and you're like just kind of so like just like scared at the top like i just want to land your stuff yeah. But X Games was like super relaxed this year, for sure. Like I was one of the most fun comps I've ever had easily. Like I didn't even feel like I was competing. I was just going out and skiing with my friends. And that's like my, my mentality for that comp. And it was just, it was so sick. Dude, yeah. it was a really great vibe. I mean, I, we were talking about, yeah. like, I saw you there and it mm -hmm. was just awesome. The crowd was way smaller, like way, way smaller. It was only just at the base, nothing on the pipes. Yeah. But yeah. it was like, it was like kind of a cool, like intimate vibe almost. Yeah. And it was small, but it was still like, it was a ton of people there. Whenever I go on the sled and drive like through that crowd of people, it was like so cool seeing everyone there. And I got to see a bunch of people that I, that I knew too. And it was, yeah, it was just really cool to see that. That's awesome. It was so fun. when was your first X Games? Oh, so when I was 17, I got invited to my first X Games. And I remember I was skiing Corinthia the day before. I was, I was literally leaving the next day, skiing Corinthia, having such a good time with my friend, just cruising, like so ready to go to X Games. And Corinthia has this wooden park, all wooden rails. And I usually stay away from that, but I was just like skiing it that day for some reason. And I was going into the flat wooden rail switch, went switch lip on and instantly caught my edge and just slammed so hard and like hit my head really gnarly. And I was like, oh, I'm for sure concussed. And I went to the bottom and was like feeling fine. And then all of a sudden my, my shoulder just started to kill. And I was like, oh no, like this can't be happening right now. And I ended up breaking my scapula. I had a micro fracture in my scapula and I couldn't go. So that really sucked. And I took like two or three weeks off of skiing. And then I went and competed after that. But then the year after when I was 18, I also got invited back there. And then I went to that Atlanta Big Air, the one in uh, the city Big Air there. And I was like skiing so well the whole event, made finals. Like it was, it was such a fun comp. First practice run of finals before finals started, I blew my knee. I couldn't go to X Games that year as well. And I had to take the full year off of skiing. I tore my ACL and meniscus and had to take the full year off, which, which sucked for sure. One of the worst injuries I've ever had. But, yeah. yeah. So was this, so was this year your first one where you got to compete? Yeah. This is my first X games that I got to compete. Cause I, I did one year. I didn't get invited because it was because of COVID and stuff. They kind of limited yeah. it. So 
yeah, this year I got, I got, I was actually an alternate for big air and I got in for slope style and then I got into big air last, last second. Yeah. And then you, so you meddled in big air. Yeah. Meddled in big air, right? fourth, fourth and slope. Dude. Awesome. Yeah, second and second in big air, fourth and slope. It was sick. Yeah. I, I did not expect to go there and get those, get those two results at all. I was going to just go and ski, but yeah. In the back of your mind, were you worried that like another thing would pop up that would prevent you from going? Prior to that, I was skiing Park City and I was being so careful, like so, (laughs) so careful. I was like, I cannot get her right now. Like I got to ski. And I've actually, I was going to just go and like cruise the day before I left. But I was like, oh, I should like do some tricks. So I did some like doubles and like was so careful what I was doing. And at the end of the day, I got in my car and was just like, had like a big sigh of relief. Like, oh, I'm going to X Games tomorrow. Like, I'm not hurt. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. And like X Games is a great one because I'm like you were saying with your friends from you're like friends from back in the day, they hit you up out of nowhere. Like X Games is one of those ones where everyone kind of has the name recognition. Yeah. So people sure. get stoked on that. Yeah. I mean, X Games is almost bigger. I mean, for like skiing and like free skiing, X Games is bigger than the Olympics easily. Like, easily, it's like yeah. the Super Bowl for sure. It's so sick. Like that. I, I love that event. I hope I get to go next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And but like, so this is what I've wondered from your guys' end, because I don't know, you're more plugged in, so maybe you have a different view of it. I've always found that it's hard to follow what you guys are doing unless you're posting on social media. Like what I was saying before, the different, the leagues, whatever you would want to call them, like it's hard to follow skiing. Like, do you feel like that prevents people from getting super interested in what's going on? Yeah, it's, I mean, X Games, it's super easy to watch. It's on YouTube or on ESPN and like everyone can watch that event. Like some rando person can go on their TV one day and be like, oh, X Games is on, I'm going to watch it. Like it's yeah, cool. Like you could literally accidentally discover it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. with yeah. World Cups and stuff, they're usually in Europe and the time difference is off and they're super hard to watch. And like they, their broadcasting for World Cups is so out of whack and like they got to fix that somehow or have a better broadcasting system. Like I think they should just stream it on YouTube live and just have that but they never do that you have to have some weird like channel like we have peacock tv and on peacock tv they only show the american runs and it's like it makes no sense watching it's so hard to watch all the comps there and um like i remember we watched a comp in europe but we, we didn't go to it so we had to just like get a vpn and say we were in europe and then go on this random europe european website and then find the world cup and it was just like so annoying to even just to watch a comp that I wasn't even in and yeah I, I hope in the future that they can figure out a better streaming platform and I know it's so hard to find that like not a lot of people want to broadcast like not that big of I, it is a big sport but like people do like go watch the football and baseball and that kind of thing so in Europe I've noticed people like like in Europe skiing is huge just like the culture there but in America it's more like skiing is a, such a small percentage of what people watch in in the U.S. and like and like what people do I guess in the U.S. and you can't ski a lot of places in the U.S., but in Europe, it's like there's mountains everywhere and like snow every, everywhere you go. So I think in Europe, it's the epic, a bigger culture for sure. I hope in the, in the U.S. it happens. For sure. like Is there day. anyone within the community that's pushing for that? Like, it's, I mean, I think people are pushing for it for sure. I just think that World Cups aren't like as like a racing World Cup, for instance. Like you, there's so many people go to watch racing World Cups because racing is so big. And the prize purse if you win is like, it depends on where you are, but it's like 50 to 100 grand if you win a racing World Cup. But for us, it's like they give you a 10 grand, 10 grand if you win. And then there's like, it's just such a hard thing to watch. People don't really watch it that much. I think so, people watch snowboarding more than skiing, like for the World Cups for sure. But um, yeah, it's just like hard, hard to watch. I hope they figure out something one day. I'll try to push for it too. I, I want to push for it and see, but 
I know even X Games just got bought up by somebody else, and I don't even know if ESPN is going to stream X Games next year. Yeah, we'll have to see. I think yeah. there's like rumors that like they might have sold because ESPN owns events and they also own like broadcasting rights. Yeah. So they might have like let somebody else run. They might let somebody else run the event. Yeah. But still be the ones that put it on TV. Yeah, that, I mean that that would be sick if we could put it back on ESPN. But I think like McLaren, like the company that owns McLaren F1 team, bought X Games it. or something. It's super random. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's crazy. That the price works for a World Cup is only ten grand for. Yeah. Yeah. What? And it used to be like, or not World Cups, but like I know X Games back in the day. I think it was like, it, it used to be um fifty grand or something like that. And now yeah. it's twenty five, which is still huge. Like that's a lot of money. Yeah. But, like X Games is the biggest payout event for skiing. X Games and Dew Tours are the same. But, but dude, uh, even twenty five grand, like after definitely like five plus years of being on like the rookie circuit where you're really not making money. Yeah, yeah. That probably like just barely makes it up. Say it costs, you know, two grand to go to each event with travel and hotels that you're probably putting up. Like that adds up so quick. Yeah. And if you're not on like the US team helps out so much with our travel and stuff. And like I'm so grateful for that. And they get to like they we get our flights and stuff paid for and our housing and paid for when we go and travel. So like a lot of the money you make World Cups, like you usually keep unless you you go and do your own thing or like you go and like do your own trips and stuff. But yeah, if you don't have like the US team backing or like big sponsor money and you go on to win a big event, like that 25 grand doesn't last you that long because you're going and traveling so much and all these comps cost so much money and you're just like always spending money to go and travel. And it's just like always gonna be that way, I think. But that's kind of like the culture of the sport, you're just going and traveling and skiing. So yeah. Are there any kids that you've competed with that aren't like going to a, a, a ski school and getting and getting coached or is, do you kind of have to get coached to and have the access to like the airbags and stuff to compete at this level? I mean, there are definitely kids who are out there that didn't go to ski academies, didn't like go and go to airbag and stuff that are so good. And like, I love to watch them ski and stuff, but like for the most part, like you either do online school, like most of the kids in the U.S. team did online school or went to like a ski academy. And then uh, once they got on the team, they just like move out to Park City and just like ski and go to like online college or like go to college on the side and stuff. Yeah. Wow. But it's, it's kind of rare nowadays to see that, unfortunately. Like yeah. back in the day, it was like you just go out and like ski as much as you can and then you get recognized and you get invited to all these big events and you like film a part and you ski. And nowadays you like only person I really know that like, fully skis like park and also competes and then also film street is like alex he like drops apart in the same year as he goes and competes and stuff he do that anymore and i i obviously want to do that and i just like haven't yet i don't know why and i want to i'm trying to get in the streets next year a, a little bit i did my first urban trip like pretty recently but i want to try to like hopefully bring that back and like I know a lot of kids are trying to do that as well. And I think it's starting to become a thing again where like you film a part and you also ski in the year. And that's so so cool to see that. Well, dude, it, it prevents you from getting just labeled as a comp jock, you know, like exactly. you gotta do something yeah. for the culture. Exactly. And I'm fortunate enough to be sponsored by Faction and Faction goes and films for these movies every year. So I got to go and like film with them and like go to Europe and like do all these shoots with them. And that was so cool. And like, I, I love the filming part of it. It's so, so fun. You just like try to get a trick and, you know, if this, you're all worried about is that trick on that feature at like that moment. And you're not like worried about going and down a comp run and trying to land your run. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So like, when did, uh, when did the sponsors come into the mix? You're on Faction. Oh, I see the yeah, Red so Bull actually, hat. I was sponsored by Rossignol when I was like 13, 14. And then I remember uh, at that Waterville comp when I won that Rev Tour, uh, I was 14. 
my skis broke and I had no other Rossi skis. So I borrowed a pair of factions from this girl that I knew. And I skied the whole comp on the factions, these like 170 Candide 1.0s. And then after that comp, I immediately called them or I, I emailed them. And then I got like a, like a pro deal that year. And then the year after that, I kind of just fully signed with them and got a contract and yeah. And the sponsors started to come after that. I think faction was my first like big sponsor though. They're a sick brand too. Like they're not like a corporate sponsor. Like there's, it's a skiers company owned by skiers and they're all living there. And it's based in Verbier in uh, Switzerland. So like they all just love skiing so much. And it's such a small group there. And it, it, the, all the whole team is really cool too. And yeah, it's sick to see them pushing the girl side of skiing as well. That whole edit they made recently with the whole girl, girls part in the faction movie was so insane. Like they're pushing the sport like crazy right now. They do a really good job of like utilizing their team to uh, push their product. Yeah, their team is huge too, and it's so diverse. Yeah, it's such a diverse team. Like probably the most diverse ski team in the sport, I, I think. Yeah. So, what was your first like cash sponsorship apart from? Because sponsorship is such a broad word. Like, a lot of kids, the peak of it is just getting yeah. free gear. So when did the money actually start flowing? I think it was Faction back in. I want to say. I was 17. That, that year that I won the globe was the year that I started getting money from Faction. I think it was oh. the end of that year. Cause so we would ski like with skiing, a lot of us have agents. So like I got an agent pretty early on and he helped me. His name's uh, Mike Svenningson. He's the man. He's like a really good friend of mine now. And we got to know him over a couple of years and he's just has helped me so much with my career. And like it's crazy to see like how what an agent can do for you. And especially if, like if you're doing well, it helps for sure. And like it just that whole year, like honestly worked perfectly with I got an agent did really well and then I got on Red Bull that year after and yeah that that year I, I kind of saw it start to start to flow in a little bit it's been helping out a lot it's like how I pretty much afford this and can do this and be a professional skier I guess dude it's so funny because yeah. like you guys are the homies and it's like you almost sometimes you forget that you're athletes so of course you have an like I didn't even think that of course you have an agent you know like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a sports agent kind of yeah yeah so like the agency that I'm with uh they like it's called Wasserman Agency and they sponsor like football players and stuff too but they have an action sports division so they have like skiing snowboarding like mountain biking and like our biking's a category and skateboarding and stuff yeah it's really cool they help yeah. out a lot. Honestly, I feel like maybe uh, it's so different because like the street side of things is different. Like, street skiers and like dudes that only make film parts, mm -hmm. they kind of need agents too. Like if you guys were trying to navigate the business side on your own, yeah, yeah. what the hell would be going on? It's hard. It's for sure. But I definitely know people that don't have agents and are free agents and are completely fine. Like they can just manage themselves really well. But I'm so all over the place. Like I would be so bad at that. And I'm so bad at negotiating. Like maybe in the future I could get better at it and maybe go like free one day, but I don't see it happening in time soon. Like right now oh, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with my scenario right now. And yeah. And it's nice having an agent who's like so close to you and such a homie. Like he's just such a nice dude and yeah, our relationship works out really well. So yeah, it's sick. Yeah. That's awesome that you have someone like in your corner, just completely looking out for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's sick. That's awesome, dude. So, uh, Olympics, bro. Yeah. What the hell? That's that's uh, crazy, Olympics, man. Crazy that we have Olympics and free skiing now. Yeah. So, yeah. so by the time X Games came around, you already knew that you were in the Olympics. How did you get the news that you were going? Yeah. So the year that I got hurt, they froze my all my my points, my fist points. You can like freeze your points for a year if you're injured. So all those points carried over, and then I got that second place in Aspen. 
the year prior. So that was an Olympic qualifier. So I was going into the Olympic year looking really well. Like me and Colby were pretty much untouchable. Like no one could really touch us. And like we had our spots kind of like, they weren't secured in the beginning of the year. Like obviously there was a date where we knew where we were going, but like we were looking really good. So like, I didn't have like, like that year I, I got, or this, this year for like the Olympic qualifiers, I got fourth at due tour, which helped a lot for sure. And then I had that second the year prior, but like, I didn't really need to do too well to, to like this year qualifiers to make it. Like I was pretty set already. So I kind of just like skied this year and like, I didn't make finals in Dubai. So like that was kind of a bummer for sure. Like when you don't make finals at a comp, it's like definitely pretty hard. And I was pretty hard on myself. I was pretty bummed, but like, you gotta just remember that it's not about the competition stuff. It's about skiing and having a good time. So yeah, I kind of just like, after that comp kind of cleared my mind and then had a pretty good rest of the season. I got two forts and then X games came around and did well there. So that doesn't count towards the Olympics, but it still was like a, a booster. So me and Colby knew pretty early on. And after that mammoth comp, they did an announcement and they announced me, Colby, and Alex. And then the fourth spot wasn't undecided yet. And then a gapper eventually, too. So, yeah, that, us four were named, and we knew where we were going. And it was, like, yeah, pretty crazy. Like, I don't really think I'd be going. I mean, obviously, with a goal in my head, for like, the past three years, and then, like, it came so quickly, and you're like, oh, shit, I'm going now. Like, it doesn't really – you don't really comprehend it at first. But, yeah, going to China, too. Like, I would never have thought I would have gone to China so, like, soon in my life. And – yeah, it was so cool. Such a humbling experience, too. Yeah, yeah. dude, that's was, awesome. So, I mean, yeah. you were probably just stoked beyond belief. Like, that, that, that you were saying, yeah. it, like, people coming out of the woodwork, just everything. Yeah, and that, it's like, not even, I'm just stoked, too. Like, people that I have supported me my entire life are stoked. And my parents, like, were so stoked, too. Like, because they've been such a big part of my ski career. Like, I would not be able to be here without them today. And, like, my dad was so stoked and like I remember my dad and my mom were like posting all over Facebook and stuff and all that stuff and it's just it's yeah it's super cool to see that like all our hard work it's our hard work you know it's not my hard work it's everyone that helped me get here and like that that's so cool seeing that pay off at the end of the day yeah so did did they get to come out to uh like did your whole support system basically get to come out to China with you or was it just was it just the boys and the team no yeah we had no spectators out of Chinese people this year so only people from China could go and spectate the events. Like there was no outside spectators. So it was just, yeah, us and me and the boys and a bunch of like, all like it was nice because I had all the other free ski teams there too. Like we're really good friends with the Canadians there and like all the guys we compete with are all super close with. So we kind of just like chilled in the village and hung out with all those guys. And the first, uh, we got there six days before we had anything. So we were just like chilling in the Olympic village for six days, like, trying to figure out stuff to do and like we just like focused on meeting people and I, I met so many cool people and like traded a bunch of pins and stuff I got like 30 or 40 pins from different countries I wanted to ask you about sick. that I, yeah, I yeah, almost yeah. forgot about that I'm glad you brought it up because you were posting those pins like crazy so what the, yeah. what's, what's the pin culture at uh at Olympics like it's sick no it's so cool because it like forces you to meet people because like everyone has pins from different countries so you go up to a person you're like yo you have any pins then you trade and you're like, oh, what sport do you do? Where are you from? And like all this stuff. If they if they speak English, it gets pretty easy to talk to them. Like a lot of the guys, I just go to them and we trade pins and that would be it. But like I met so many cool people like just from trading pins. And I think that's like the whole point of like the pin culture there is like meeting people. And that's like the whole like, kind of like the, the coolest thing about the Olympics. Like so many, we don't get to see these sports ever. Like we're just like free skiers and snowboarders. Like that's really it. So I got to meet like speed skaters and hockey players and all this stuff. 
Yeah, it was it was really sick. So Alex, when he went to Korea, he put all the pins on his beanie, like in 2018. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that now, and I put all the pins like all over my beanie. And at the end of the trip, my beanie would just like sag over my eyes because it was so heavy. It would just be like so like a dense beanie on my head. <laughs> funny. Yeah, bro. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the pin that you wanted the most? Like, what was the pin that you just had to have? Well, I, I a lot of my family is from Greece, so I really wanted a Greek pin, but I never got one. But I got a Saudi Arabia pin that I was like probably my favorite one. Yeah, that one's sick. And sick. I got a Kazakhstan pin too, which is sick. Yeah, but yeah, that's cool. Did the U.S. give you like a starter kit? Like, yo, here's yeah, like, you, you got a bunch of pins from the U.S. guys there. Yeah, yeah. yeah they give you like a bunch. You still have them all with you? Yeah, not here, but they're in Park City. Yeah, I got a bag full of them. I don't know what to do with them yet. I'm trying to figure out. What I'm, maybe I'll make like a board and put them on that. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be kind of sick. Yeah. I have so much like stuff and like bags full of stuff from the Olympics that I just like don't know what to do with. Now it's like clothes and stuff because like, we get from Nike and Polo. And it's like I brought like two suitcases full back to Vermont. And my like dad today just like ravaged through like all of the stuff and like took a bunch of items with him pretty funny because i'm never gonna wear it i don't think dude i was gonna say that like all the stuff is sick like the kits are super sick, sick but it's yeah. almost like a uniform like would would you ever really wear any of that stuff back in the u.s or it's like you no, kind of just never. wear it in the village and that's it yeah that's why i think we wore it so much and we tried to wear as much stuff as we could like doesn't matter how goofy it was we just would wrap it just to, like try to like, wear as different kits as we could per day and like me alex and colby every day would put something else on, like put something new on, like try to like all match and stuff and walk around the village. But I don't think I'd ever do that besides being there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, cool. I asked, I asked A-Hall this. Mm-hmm. So I got to ask you now, who had the, which country had the best kit? The U.S. was really good this year because we had so many items, but Canada's, Canada's outfit was really sick. They had like the Lululemon was just killing stuff. Yeah, they had a bunch of sick stuff. Did he said that Alex said that too? Yeah, he said the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, Canada. Canada was the best. I tried, I got a pair of mittens from them and I got a beanie from them, but I wanted these like they had these like puffy jackets, these white ones that were so sick that I wanted to trade with with uh one of the Canadian guys, but I never got it. They all wanted that pretty badly. Yeah. Yeah. Was anyone was any other country like just going hard? Maybe it didn't even like necessarily look good, but they were really going for it. Well, like the thing with the other countries, like they only have like almost like one thing to wear and they always wear that all the time. But like with US and Canada, they had like so many different items. So we were, we were like, I think we started a trend for like the US guys in the Beijing village because we put on a bunch of like different kits every day, like random stuff that people wouldn't wear. Like we were like putting our stuff on inside out and like trying to make it as like bold as possible. And like people started noticing. And then the next day we noticed like it, there's like a US headquarters there would go in and like people were wearing the same thing that we wore prior the day before and we we're like oh we're starting something here <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sick. That's yeah. Nice, yeah. was there any was there any t- other team within the u.s that you guys were like really getting along with i don't know you, like, you oh, guys were like kicking yeah, with the hockey players yeah so funny you say with the hockey players i we were going to opening ceremonies that day or i i sat next to a bunch of girl hockey players in the planes so i got to talk to them a bunch about hockey and stuff and my my mom's side of the family is a big hockey family so like I know a lot, quite about quite a lot about it, so I just got to talk to them about hockey the whole time. And I was actually, you know, Trevor Zegers is. I don't believe so. He's a hockey player on the Anaheim Ducks. Okay. And he's so he's my cousin, and he 
we were in the vi- we were in the village all getting on these buses go- to go to a, the like opening ceremony and this kid comes up to me he goes he's like this big ass hockey player he's like yo you look so much like trevor zegris i'm like oh yeah well he's my cousin and they're like wait what like you look identical to him so i got like that's how like it all started and i got super along with them really well and we like i sat next to them during the girls hockey games and stuff too and just like talked about free skiing and hockey and they came to our big air event and watched that too and yeah they're all pretty sick and I think that and the speed skaters as well, we were, we were like pretty close with as well. We're pretty speed close. skating, I had never seen it before. And we went to a, a short track speed skating event and it was so sick. Like that sport is crazy. They all like, they're just racing around this tiny little rink and they're always getting like bodies into the barriers and like crashing into each other. And it's so hectic and yeah, it's so fun to watch. <laughs> it's so different from what we do. Was it like were the, were the stadiums and like the venues were they empty or did the Chinese come out like no big, they came out time. but it was like kind of limited I think it was mostly like families of the Chinese athletes there uh, okay. but like there was like all the athletes watching on one side and then like all of like the public Chinese watching on the other side so it was like pretty full I would say not like what it would be if it was a normal Olympics so you said like you were chatting with them on the flight over what was your uh seating arrangement like a hall said that he since he's so like so such a giant he got he gets in first class what yeah were you like I, stuck in the middle no so i actually so there's like first class and the, the plane we were on was brand new and it was a charter so it was only u.s olympic athletes there and we got like this bus escort to the airport and like had like our own hangar and stuff it was like the whole delta like leaving experience was crazy it was so sick we like all got off this bus into this airport into this hangar and the plane was in the hangar and we got like greeted by all these delta employees like cheering for us and walked down this big red carpet and so i sat on in comfort plus and like it was like the row right behind first class so i had plenty of leg room sat in an aisle seat and it was so nice like we were on the plane for a long time so i had to like talk to people and like meet people and we got like pretty good food and stuff too and i actually the first class seats they like fully lay out flat and Colby and A-Hall both the first class. So I would actually go up to their first class zone and just like sit in the zone with Alex in like his little pod. They like decked him out with this like Delta pod. So we would like chill together in the pod and like just talk for a little bit. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't like any other flight I've ever been on. It, it was sick. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, uh, yeah. so I'm trying to think like the order of events. It was did you guys go straight to the big air venue or did you guys go to like the main village first and then go to the big air? So there, um, there was three different villages there and we were staying in two and we got to the, the Beijing village for big air because the big air venue was in Beijing. And so we were, it was like a 15 minute bus ride every single day from the Beijing village to the venue. So we were there six days before anything, just cruising Beijing. And the cool thing about being in that village was like, we weren't around snow athletes. We were around like hockey players, speed skaters, like that kind of crew so we like got to see all those dudes and like hang out with that like group which was a little bit like strange at first but because we like we weren't like around like the snowboarders or the mogul skiers like skiers we we're just like around random sports it was like all the big air skiers and then like all these other sports it was pretty funny actually because we were like we stood out a bunch for sure like we did not really blend in with the crew there like everyone was wearing like super like fitted stuff like like going training and like they're like tight suits and their gear and stuff were just there like a baggy clothes like walking around the, the venue and we had nothing to do the first six days and then we had three days of training for big air and then our quality day 
and then an off day because the girls went and then our final day. So we skied four days on, one day off, and then the final day after that. And then after finals, we got back to the, ve- the Beijing venue, packed up all our stuff, and then took a bus like three and a half hours to um to the Winter Village. And we were there for like a week after that too. But we had training the next day after Big Air Finals. There, went to bed, woke up, and had training. Damn. Yeah, pretty hectic. And like Colby got second. And after he got second in Big Air, had to do like this media frenzy tour and didn't get into the village until like 4 a.m. Then woke up and had training. It was hectic. Were you guys yeah. stoked? Were you guys stoked that uh, Colby was able to get it done for, for the U.S.? Yeah, it was really sick. Yeah. And Colby like isn't known for doing big air, like doing well in big airs. He's a slope sock guy. He's like the guy that does well on slope events. So he like, and with me and Alex too being in big air, like I didn't expect much. I just wanted to go out and like ski in the big air and like, I don't think any of us would have expected, expected that Colby would have came out on podium and he skied so well, like the best skiing I've ever seen from Colby at a big air event. And it, it paid off and he skied. Yeah, it was, it was sick to see that. And that That's podium awesome. was cool too with Burke and Henrik and Colby. Like those three guys were all so sick and such homies. So it's such a good podium. That's awesome. That trick he did in the comp was his first time ever doing it. Just like ever. He, did it, he didn't even do it in training. He did I know it's but triple with safety and training and then just like did it with the Japan in the comp and did it like perfectly. Were you guys just yeah. losing it? Like, holy shit. Yeah. Pulled that out of yeah. nowhere. Yeah. And it was like, I, the people that the top three all did like perfect stuff, but from fourth and on back to 12th, like everyone kind of had little bobbles. So like the podium made sense and like the, the top three guys like skied the best in it. And I was like sick to see that, that they did well because that made the most sense for everyone too. And there was no like judging mishaps, which is sick. That's cool. What'd yeah, you think really of uh, what'd you think of the venue itself? I mean, I already talked talk to A-Hall about it, like the complete <laughs> overreaction by people, but what'd you think of it? <laughs> yeah, no, people overreacted for sure. Like people were like, oh, it's about a nuclear power plant, like everyone's gonna get back with like a radioactive stuff all over themselves. But no, it's actually it used to be an old steel mill from like the 80s, and then they retired it, and it, those are like the cooling towers in the background. There wasn't a nuclear power plant. There was no nuclear stuff going on there. It was safe. And it's actually cool because they turned that steel plant, they're turning into a park now. And they're going to put like skate parks in there and like malls and stuff. And like, it's going to be a zone where people can like go and hang out and it's not going to be wasted space anymore. Yeah. And that was like the whole point with Chinese, like with the Olympics too, like that whole Olympic village is going to get reused now. It's going to turn into apartments for people to live in. Like all that stuff they built is going to be used. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get the vibe that like skiing's blowing up in China or is it kind of like they're trying to make it work, but maybe it's not like, what's the vibe of skiing over there? Well, no, after like the Olympics was announced in China, the Chinese like team obviously wanted to have skiers. And it's, I met this kid named Bo and he's this like 17 year old kid from China. I think he's like, he lives in Beijing and he is so good at skiing now. And he started skiing like three years ago. And like oh. that is, he's such a good example of like how these kids can just like, pick up skiing really quickly and, and like they're getting they're all getting good and I think it's going to blow up for sure and I heard this fact that like 300,000 maybe it's more than that like 300,000 new people picked up a winter sport in China after the Olympics it might have been 300 million <laughs> it might have been like something absurd like that yeah like they, at least like with hockey or skating or skiing or snowboarding like they picked up that now and like since the Olympics it's really cool to see that yeah that's awesome yeah that's really awesome I mean have you have you ever like skied anywhere else in asia or is that your first time skiing out there first time ever in asia i've never been to asia before wow yeah i hope i go back yeah i'm trying to go to japan one, one time 
Yeah, of course. I want to go with Pal. That looks yeah. fun. That'd be sick. Yeah. So, uh, so big air. You guys wrap that up. Colby's the only one that that takes any that takes home uh, a medal. Yeah. And then you guys are just like immediately on to the next one. So yeah. what was it like going in slope? Uh, yeah, I, I remember looking at that course for the first time and like we talked all the snowboarders and like it looked crazy in per- and like a lot of videos and stuff. So I was talking to uh, actually Julie Marino who got second in, in, um, in slope snowboarding. And she, I was just like talking to her the whole, t- the whole time like how good the course was. And she was like, you guys are going to love it. It's so sick. And we got there and it was like, it was probably one of the coolest courses I've ever skied. Like one of the most fun for sure. And I was like, I was having such a good training. Like all three days of training was so good. And I was skiing like almost the best level I've ever skied. I think I just like kind of blew it in the comp, unfortunately. But uh, I just had, I had a really good time skiing it. And I, I wish I could add time to just like go and like cruise it and try all the other lines out. Cause there was so many different options at that course. And I hope, I hope courses in the future are more like that. Cause it's not, it wasn't just like, rails and then three jumps in a row and like sometimes that's a good thing but like it was cool to have that like weird side jump and then like the jump in the middle and like all these weird long rails the rails were like stupid long too i was trying to hit the longest rails in the course and i think that's what ended up like me not doing well because i just came off really early on all of them but like i was just trying to like i was i got there and i was like i'm hitting the longest rails in the course because if i do it really well they'll get rewarded but if i don't do well i'm, I'm gonna get like a really bad score. That's what, that's what ended up happening. Did it even bother you that you ended up not not podium, like not on the podium, or is it like it's kind of tricky? It's it's tough to get on the podium at the Olympics. It's like you know, it's gonna go through a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like people take it like too much more seriously than like a World Cup or other like or like X Games and stuff. Like X Games, everyone takes just as seriously as the Olympics. And yeah, we want to you want to do well all the events, and then you're not just like I didn't have any ex- expectations because still young and my first olympics like i wanted to just go and like have a good time and it does suck it's only every four years it's like you kind of have to just wait four years now until the next thing but the olympics isn't everything in skiing you know like there's so much other stuff going on for skiing so like i wasn't really too bummed i definitely was like oh, i wish i, I wish i could have made finals if i made finals i would have been stoked like i would have been like oh like i don't really i, I don't really care how i do now i want to just make finals and get in but yeah it definitely was a little bit of a bummer yeah, not yeah. coming home with a medal. Like we're seeing Nick and Al and Colby all getting medals. Like, definitely sucked. But I got time. You know, I got only twenty. I got more years to come. So. Yeah, you're the young guy. Like Al didn't take yeah. Al didn't get one at his first Olympics either. Exactly. Yeah, and I I talked to him actually about that after the whole thing. He was like, yeah, like in Korea, like it was such a like the vibe. He said the vibe in Korea was like a little bit weirder than than China, I think. And um, he just said like he didn't really have like. He said China was definitely a little bit more of a fun, a fun event for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's why. I mean, dude, the Olympics is crazy because, like, like you said, it's only every four years, so yeah. the storylines are funny. It's like, oh, Mac is like this young kid; he's twenty, and then like, oh, now he's, you know, he's in his mid twenties; he's twenty four. Twenty four, like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, he's twenty eight; he might be done; he might be done <laughs> soon. You know, like that's crazy. Yeah, and it's like I, I, it is kind of a bummer now because like that's like kind of how you, your career is going to be like space now almost like for competitive skiing it's like the next four years i'm going to be like going to hopefully x games and doing well in world cups and then the olympics all of a sudden it's a big thing that everyone cares about now and then it's like oh four more years are just like world cups and x games and stuff and then oh another olympics comes up so it was cool to see nick too like that was nick's third olympics and that was his third medal like yeah, that is wow. such that's savage like that is 
he's 28 or 27 now and he's still like doing so well at these events it, it's so cool to see i think he wants to go to another one i think he's planning on trying to go to the next one oh, that'd yeah. be crazy 30 he'll be 31 i think yeah yeah like amongst the group is he like the older like wiser guy like are you guys just all a bunch of like young idiots compared to him <laughs> yeah i would say so i'd say nick's a little bit wiser than us for sure he has a different like mentality going into competitive skiing too he's like he's so dialed like he's he knows he's such a good competitive skier it's like kind of crazy to be around sometimes but like it's really cool to see that like it's just such a different let me stand like like point of skiing i guess compared yeah. to like, what i would do i think kind of like a bunch of young kids just skiing me colby and, and alex yeah collecting pins and just goofing collecting off pins and just doing stupid stuff around the village yeah <laughs> that's the that's definitely the vibe i got from the snap stories it seems like yeah it, yeah it was just so much messing around yeah we're doing a lot of that yeah so i mean so after that you know like what how long was the cool off before you guys started setting your sights on like the next competition um yeah we i none of us like we had we all had like teens the comp in france in mind but like no, we had there was a like, comp in georgia like a country like the country Georgia and I don't even know it's like next to Russia or something but none of us were going to that we were like because that would have been like you get home had chill for eight days and then go to go to a comp but we just wanted to go home and chill for two weeks and ski not had any and like that urban trip we did was like so out of it was like so random we just like I got a call from Alex one day it was like yo me and Hunter are going to Denver like you should come and hit some street with us so like me and Cody LaPlan and Cody Ray all went out to Denver and Stayed there for like six days and just like skied street and that was so cool like not just skiing a park like not having any mindset on skiing park just like going and like building a feature for like a homie or like trying to get a shot and it, it was sick my, it was my first time ever hitting urban and i loved it like i can't wait to go do it again yeah is it was it gnarlier yeah, than you expected yeah yeah for sure <laughs> like falling on stairs is not fun I mean, I, like when you watch it you when you watch a clip of someone landing in like a movie you're like oh like that was sick but like you don't realize like how many slams you take like I, I, I didn't have any gnarly slams i didn't have any like bad ones but i definitely fell on like the stairs a couple times i had my first big battle with the rail that i didn't win but i hiked this rail for like two and a half hours like 70 plus tries and didn't get it but i'm going back there and getting that rail yeah but so, uh, it, so it made you appreciate like those, those street guys more yeah oh yeah big time and i i ever since like I moved to Utah, I think I started like folk, like looking a lot more into like street skiing and like because I, I know so many homies that go out and just like film street movies now and it's like getting so big again too. It's like having a, a fully street movie and like that's what I want to like hopefully do in the future. Like film street, do backcountry even if I can compete, like do it all. You know that's like what skiing's all about for sure. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. So I mean, I think I, we're we're up to the current day. I think did we t- did we already talk about how you did in uh, France? Oh yeah, I got fourth in France. Oh yeah, but, like yeah. I yeah, I, I think I said that earlier on. Yeah, but I just uh the, we got there and we like so the, the rails were like pretty good I guess, but like we got there and the jumps looked so bad and we we're like oh what are we doing here like why did we come here we should have just ski- it snowed like a like, two feet in Park City too the day we left we we're like oh like we should be skiing pow in Park City right now. And the first day of training, the boys were like, all right, like we're gonna get we're not hitting the jump first run. We're gonna just like go and like go on the knuckle and watch. And I was like, oh, I'm, like, I'm gonna hit them. Why not? 
went pretty big on the first jump and like kind of hurt. I was like, hey, whatever. Hit jump two. And you know that clip of Simon Dumont when he overshoots that jump and he's like this in the air? Yeah, running. That was like yeah. me, like full on running man, overshot the entire landing, like exploded in the landing. And that was like the worst start of the comp. And I was just like, ah, oh, I'm over this. But then the next day of training was like super sick. I mean, like, did I did my full run a bunch? And yeah, we like kind of got used to the course. It was definitely a weird one. Like, we've never really had a weird course like that before. But like, it was really fun still. And like, I'm going to France with the boys. Like, I can't really complain. You know, it's like we're just going skiing and having a good time. I was like, what yeah. is this all about? And it, it was sick. First time in teens, so that was really dope. Do you guys get to lighten yeah. up on COVID now that the Olympics are over? For sure, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. a little bit less stressed now. That's gotta feel sick. so like, good. I remember we were so like at X Games, dude. Like we were so on lockdown, like going to the venue, skiing, going home, and just chilling. And then like just going to like I was being so careful. And I got I got COVID right before X Games, and I didn't think I was gonna be able to go. <laughs> I, was, I, I had COVID six days prior to leaving, but they just had changed like the rules where you could quarantine for five days. So I did five days in my room, just quarantined, and then I tested negative and was good. Holy crap, dude. Yeah, it was super stressful for sure. The whole yeah. season with COVID and stuff. Dude, that's so funny that like after the Olympics, it seems like the Olympics would be like the end of your career, you know, like, oh, like if it was a movie, you'd be like, oh, yep. And that was the pinnacle. And it's funny yeah. that, like, you literally just go on to, like, the next event. Like, oh, whatever. We'll it go to the next going. one. Yeah. And, like, we don't really have, like, I don't really have, like, a crazy break. Like, I think I'm going. So, we, we're skiing the rest of the season after. So, I'm going to the comp at Seven Springs at Tom's, Tom's Rail Gym. And then after that, we're going to uh, we're going to Silva Plana for the last slow style comp of the season. And then I'm going to be out in Europe. I got invited to Audi Nines. So, I'm going to Nines for the first time. Never gone before. So, it's gonna be sick. I I saw the features recently, like the the sketches of them, and they all look really sick to hit those jumps and like have just like a chill event and just like kind of cruise really sick. And then after that, going back to Park City and hopefully the mountains are still open. I, I get back the tenth, so I think the closing day is like either the seventeenth or they're not gonna have any snow and it's gonna close before before I get back. But Woodward will be open, so I'll, I'll sh- I should be skiing Woodward a little bit. And then after that, I have like maybe like three weeks and then we go to mammoth for may camp and we go and like for the u.s team we like have a, a training camp there and then after mammoth i have like three weeks and then i go to mount hood and and then i go to whistler so never really stops but i'm it's like just what i'm trying to do right now ski 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 yeah yeah dude it's what a, a schedule bro that's crazy yeah. and I, I love it i love traveling and like going to different places and skiing and just like being with my friends it's like such a cool thing not all people get to experience this and i'm just like trying to be as grateful as i can for it dude i really wish there was an easier way to keep track and like watch this stuff because it all sounds so sick yeah it's yeah. like where do you even like keep up with it <laughs> you know you can get a peacock account but it's i don't promise you it's gonna be good yeah. <laughs> pay some weird subscription and like it's like such a pain i need to, they need to change that dude well it <laughs> seems like we got like your future plans um i do have some viewer questions that i want to I yeah. want to get. Let's hear them. All right. So, so to start it off. All right. First question. This one was this one was from the Alex Hall episode submitted by my boy Eric Quinn. I want to hear yeah. your take on it. What's your hot take in skiing? What exactly is a hot take? What am I like? What's like your opinion in skiing that maybe not everybody agrees with? I don't know. Oh, the pole thing. The, 
I love I love people that ski without poles, and obviously people like can pull it off without poles. Like I'm really, I look ugly when I take my poles off. My hands go everywhere and stuff. But like the big air, no poles thing is like everybody admits it. It's so much easier to do tricks on on a jump without poles, like grabbing your skis or whatever. So I try to like keep it true and like just keep my poles on when I'm grabbing my skis. At least when I'm skiing in a big air jump. I I like trust me. I love skiers that don't use poles and like go and like film and stuff and like don't use them like obviously like it looks sick still but like it's just big air skiing i think without poles like i don't really like it that much <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one dude coming yeah, up here. yeah i'm that's gonna get some beef for sure right there <laughs> but it's fine everyone can have their own opinions in, in this sport yeah yeah all right all right yeah. that was a good one yeah so all right now on to the ones that were submitted just for you let's see so rolf asks he has two questions what's your favorite rail trick yep and uh, yeah go ahead you know what? yeah let's do that one first yeah yeah favorite rail trick oh, i like it i mean a two press two is so simple but it's such a fun trick like i love two press two i love switch twos too switch press the switch tails two and two press two i think those two sick yeah and uh well i actually i have another question do you have a favorite type of rail you know like a type of rail like a lot of people like oh we always like oh what's your favorite trick but do you have like a preferred rail are you like a you know like like, down flat down guy big like, tubes I love flat downs like flat like skinny bar flat downs like those are sick like like a nice like like a pretty long flat to like a long ass down rail like that's really fun but also uh big down tubes like big long down tubes are so fun Corinthia has this rail they have it's called a mamba it's just like it's a it's an old lift tower. And it's like the sick, whenever I come here, I'm like, I'm going to that rail. We, we actually hiked it for like an hour and a half today after skiing. It's yeah. like this long tube. It's, you can do so many different tricks on it. It's so sick. I think I saw a clip of that actually. That's pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, probably my story. I, I posted one from earlier. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And then and then Rolf did another callback to the A-Hall episode. Uh, he asked if you, if you, did you like the Olympic eggs? Cause A-Hall was very grossed out by them. Eggs sucked. They were so bad. Like, they were flavorless. They didn't taste like anything. We had to, like, mod them. We were making, like, bacon, egg, and cheeses with, like, gross kind of slimy bacon and, like, cheese that wasn't melted on, like, cutting croissants in half, like, little tiny croissants in half. And, uh, yeah, it was – they weren't very good. We had to, like, spice them up for sure. Yeah, that's funny. All right. So they're – yeah. Actually, Colby Colby had these, like, shrimp and scrambled eggs one morning. They looked awful. He said they were so gross. Some random combo. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Next one. Yeah. I don't even know what this one means. It's from underscore Floster. He says, uh, is Lardesi Jesus? You know Lardesi? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I actually don't know Lardesi. He's this kid that goes to SMS now. Yeah. I don't know him too well. I've only met him a couple times. But he's pretty steezy with it, for sure. All right. Yeah, I've seen him ski. He's pretty nice with it. Yeah, new SMS kid too, like the young and up and coming kids too. It's sick. There we go. Shout out the youngsters. All right, Aaron. Yep. Shout out Lydie. <laughs> Aaron uh, Zin Zinovich. How many how many times a day do you play shred sauce? You a big shred sauce guy? I used to be. I used to be huge into it, and I would always like, like this sounds kind of weird, but like people would always make like comp courses, and I would like try to do my run on the course. <laughs> Like before the comp or like after the comp, like kind of do my runs and stuff. But no, I used to love shred sauce, but I haven't played a lot. It's my like computer's kind of buggy, 
So like I always like throw some random stuff when I'm playing. So I don't play too much anymore. I'm gonna play after this podcast probably. Actually, <laughs> why not? I haven't played in a long time. Dude, you should do your uh, <laughs> get the Olympic rundown, bro. <laughs> you just run it back. I've tried. It's hard. Like that. It, I'm worse at that game now. But I used to play it all the time. Like grew up on that. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. All right, shout look- out, shout out, Malcolm from Shredsauce for creating that game. All right, Jackson underscore uh, SP. Who is the best park in New England? Corinthia. That's an easy one. Yeah. Corinthia. Also, I've never been to Loon, but Loon looks really sick. And Big Boulder used to be pretty sick, but like Corinthia is like, come on. It's like such a good park. Have you ridden uh, Woodward at Killington? I haven't actually. No, I never have. But I heard the park last year was sick. I haven't seen too much this year, but I, I heard it's pretty fun. Yeah. I, lo- I love it at Killington, yeah. but it's kind of it's kind of a haul from Connecticut. I gotta go at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's far. It's like four and a half hour drive. Yeah. All um, right, last one, Connor dot Newman. Uh, what was more surreal, X Games or Olympics? X Games, sure. Uh, I mean, like the the Olympic experience was so cool, and it's like I'm never gonna like. It's like can't really be unbeatable, but like. X Games like was so sick. It was a dream come true. Like I've always wanted to like when I was younger. You don't watch the Olympics because it wasn't in our, like our sport wasn't in it. We watch X Games like that was a dream of mine. And like get you get to watch all like the night big airs like on YouTube. But when I was younger and like being in that now, it was like so sick and it it's so much better than I could have ever hoped for. Like it was so sick. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, that's all the questions I got. Dude, thanks for coming on. This was uh, it was awesome to get to talk to you and connect with like another CT guy. Uh, you want to yeah, leave everybody yeah. off with anything? Yeah, thank you guys for uh, tuning in on this podcast. First one, so hopefully it didn't go too badly. Hopefully you can understand me better. But uh, yeah, thank you guys. It was really sick. Do what I feel and I live what I say to Uh, been trying to lead a million miles on this road